Speaking of the Hot Fest, I think I'm going to have to take up a second collection here today because I wasn't expecting to spend as much money as I did last Friday, but eight uh, hops later and a lot of good music, all of a sudden, like, like the best dessert I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, here, Denise, take my wallet. Give me back what you think I deserve. Of course I want a cat. You know, it was a... Uh, <laughs> you go home with a lot less and a lot more than you expected, you know, in those situations. But anyone ever have a recurring nightmare in your life? Just something that seems to come back over and over again. For the past probably 10 to 15 years, I've had one dream that just comes sporadically at different times. And it hit again this last week. I thought it was kind of providential, and it geared what I wanted to talk about in light of the Holy Spirit. But I've had this recurring nightmare ever since I went into seminary. I'm sleeping, and I dream that that moment when God called me to be a priest, that very pivotal moment when it was a yes or no decision, I said no. And I chose to run away from the call and hide and preserve my life, the life I wanted. And so in that dream, I'm there with a wife and kids, and I have all the life that I always planned to live in, you know. But then little by little, as I'm living this life, I start to remember, like, something's different. Something's wrong. Like, I shouldn't be here. And then I remember that I could have been a priest. And then I start to remember all the memories of what I've lived in these last 10 years in my journey to the priesthood. And then I get overcome with such a fear and sorrow with everything that I would never have. I'll wake up and I'm just, I'm in a startle. And I'm always so thankful at that moment to be in reality. I call Father Brad, tell him how much I love him. He tells me to go back to sleep and stop doing that. I'm just so, so overfilled with the joy for the life that I've been given. But the reason it's such a terrible dream is that it's so scary to think about everything I would have missed out on. All the love and the joy and the beautiful memories that have been mine because I said yes to that call. And I remember that so much because I feel the essential battle that we, we all face in our lives as individuals and as in the world, in life, is the fight between two spirits that are always at work in us. The spirit of the evil one and the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of the evil one is prim primarily a spirit of fear. And his goal is to make us close off, to run and hide from the gifts that God is offering us. And the Holy Spirit is the opposite. The spirit of love is the one who always draws us into life as it is, into the world to manifest our light. You know, it's so fascinating that they say that people at the end of their lives on their deathbed. They've done many studies on them, what goes through their minds and their heart. And they say what their greatest regrets are at the end of life is not so much the failures they had, the mistakes they made, but more than anything, the chances they had to make a choice to live and they chose to run away and hide. It was our failure to live when the opportunity came up that most haunts us at the end of our lives. You know, most people say that we're afraid of the dark. I disagree. I think far more often, we're afraid of the light. We're afraid to manifest who we really are. Afraid of the judgment, afraid of failure. You know what I'm saying? 
St. Peter, he wrote to the Christians, Christ has won us for himself. He has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life. Out of darkness, into his wonderful life. And I wonder if when he was writing that to the Christians, he wasn't thinking about their own passage from the Gospel to the Acts of the Apostles, the Pentecost that we just heard. When Christ rose from the dead, where did he find the apostles? Hidden away in that dark room for fear of the Jews, for fear of the world. And that's exactly where the sufferings of life, our sins and other people's sins, that's where it puts us. Hidden away, hiding in the dark. And yet the movement of the Holy Spirit, when, he come up, when it came upon them at Pentecost, what did it do? It drove them out into the light, into the world, without fear to proclaim the gospel of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He finds us in the place of our fears, the place of our sufferings, where the sins of this world have put us, where our own fears have put us, and He comes to set us free, to lead us into the light. You know, just before being ordained a priest, you go through an eight-day spiritual retreat of just silence and prayer. And in that time, I had a vision that I'll never forget. I was really nervous. I was really scared to be ordained a priest at that time. Not because I didn't feel called to the priesthood, but I found out I was coming to Lewiston. I just had no idea how I was actually going to handle that. You know, the fear of the unknown. It's worked out pretty good, though, I think. But I was so afraid of what would come after I was ordained a priest, that coming into the light. And my spiritual director, he said, you're being attacked by a spirit of Assyria. And I always thought Assyria means noonday devil. It means kind of a laziness, I thought. And he goes, no, more than anything, it's a fear. It's a fear of the joy that God has for you in your life, in salvation. And the goal of this spirit of Assyria is to make us run and hide, to put the, the light under a bushel basket so that we don't go out to manifest our God-given gifts in this world. You know, and, and he was praying over me at one point, and I had this vision that I've never forgotten. This car drove up in this neighborhood, and this, this house was there. It was all in darkness, and the windows were closed, and it was just a broken-down place. And three men got out of the car. It was an image of the Trinity. And they walked up to the door, and they knocked on it. And a woman opened the door and she was bruised, she was disheveled, very fearful. And the light was just coming into her eyes. And she could hear a voice in the background of this, you know, grotesque man screaming at her to shut the door and get back in the house. But you could see how much she wanted to get out of there. She was so afraid because she'd been living in that abusive relationship, living in alone in the dark with that presence trying to keep her isolated. But right then, the three men walked into the house, opened the door, and right in the presence of those three men, that great big man in the background behind her, began to shriek, and he just fell down into the corner in fear. And they grabbed her hand and said, come with us and leave this place. You were never meant to be here. You were made to be in the light. Let us leave this place. And as she walked out of there, this incredible joy 
just overcame me. And all my fear of being ordained in that moment was just behind me. You remind me of the, the passage, you did not receive a spirit of slavery leading you back into fear, but a spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Abba, Father. And those are the two spirits that we constantly have to fight in our life and in this world. A spirit of slavery or a spirit of adoption. One of those spirits, its only goal is to lead us away from the light, to make us cower in fear in the darkness. And the whole goal of the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is to draw us into His life, into the light of the world. You know, it's so cliche at times when we say that God is love. But what that means is that God loves everything. Like God's, His work in the world, He's like the internal extrovert. He's always going out of Himself. So to the degree that we have the Holy Spirit working within us, we ourselves come to love life. We come to love other people. We come to love community. We come to get out of ourselves and move into the world. So it's really a question of how often am I living out of a spirit of fear? And where are the places that I need the Holy Spirit to come into me, to break me free, to take me out of myself? You know, there's this one man, he was falsely accused of a crime, sentenced to life in prison. And one of his family members, who was also a lawyer, loved him very much, spent 12 years studying everything they could, mounting all the evidence to get him free, which he finally did, proved him innocent. But that man said something in prison that I'll never forget. He said, it was hatred that put me in here, and it's love that's going to set me free. That's how it is with every single one of us. Because we experience in the light at some point suffering, breakdown, rejection, Betrayal, And those sufferings in the life are what cause us to retreat into the darkness in order to protect ourselves. So we end up imprisoning ourselves in order to keep ourselves safe. And that's why the love of the Holy Spirit, when we allow Him to find us in those very places, it's His love that is able to set us free and take us out. This battle between fear and love between the darkness and the light is in so many different places in our life. Think about like sports, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was once asked, why are you so good at what you do in basketball? Simple answer was, I'm not afraid to miss, miss the shot. You miss every single shot you don't take. So if you're not willing to miss the shot, you'll never take it. In order to be free, you have to believe that it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Which is really hard if you've experienced loss in your life. Especially relationships then. I knew a girl who, she would only date superficial guys because she said she knew she could never fall in love with them. She was a literature major, very smart. And she did that because when she was young, her parents divorced. And so from an early age, she had that lie within her that love could never be forever. 
She said, I gave up in the hope of ever having a, a true love. And so she only dated superficial guys so that she'd never become vulnerable and have her heart broken. Luckily, I got to see her on her wedding day. But it was that, it was that love of one man who was able to find her in that and lead her into a place of hope. It's the same thing when we talk about the struggle between rules and relationship, between law and grace. So the law is essential. Jesus Christ himself said, I never came to abolish the law. Because the law, it protects the relationship. It's absolutely necessary. That's why we never change our teachings as Catholics. No matter how much time goes by, it remains the same. Because Christ didn't change it. But the movement of the Holy Spirit is what takes us from grasping to the law, which can be just a place of protection, a place of security, a place to close us in on ourselves. He's the one that internalizes the law and transforms it into a relationship. That's why the law can never make us happy. You can do every single thing right as a Catholic. Go to church every single Sunday, go to confession often, always pray the rosary. But if you're not experiencing Jesus Christ, his love as a person within that, you haven't yet passed into the, the relationship. And that's what the Holy Spirit's goal is, to bring us from the law into love. And what I've seen, especially in myself, is it's a lot easier to hide in the law, to just do everything right, because it's practical, because then you can just check the back boxes. It's far more vulnerable to be in the light of a relationship. The government, every totalitarian regime in the history of man governs us by fear. If people are afraid, they'll be that much readily to give up their freedom and allow the government to terrorize them, to control them. Same as an abusive relationship with another man, same as how the devil works in our hearts. Fear and control always go hand in hand with tyranny. So what do they do? First thing, they have to make the people afraid of one another. Because once you make people afraid of one another, they don't trust each other. They separate, they go their own ways. And then we look to the government to protect us from one another. So fear those of a different race, because they'll oppress you. Fear those of a different gender, they threaten your own potential. Enter into the gender war. Fear those who have a different political stance. They're either Nazis or they're communists. They don't care which side you're on as long as we're separated. Ultimate, being, being afraid to just be around one another. It's like your, your very being is contagious. So cover yourself up. Stay at an arm length distance at all times. Go hide in your homes. Don't come out into the world and we'll tell you when it's safe. Just sacrifice your freedom, and we'll control you. That's always the lie of the devil, to govern us by fear. In order to be free in this life, over and over again, we must refuse the fear that is offered us, whether it's in relationships, in our spiritual life, and in our country. It's the only way we can actually experience the joy and the love of relationships. It's vulnerable, and it's not always easy, and you could get hurt. 
but at least you're alive. We have to choose to live in the light or to retreat in the darkness. And there's nothing cliche or trite about that. Just ask yourself how many decisions you make on a daily basis based on fear. St. John Paul II once said, I offer you the option of love, which is the opposite of escape. That nightmare of mine that I get recurring is actually one of the greatest gifts I have. Because over and over again, I get to be reminded of how much joy and love and incredible memories I would have missed out upon had I listened to that spirit of fear. And every time I wake up, I have a new resolution, like the first day that I said yes to Christ, to live my life by the Spirit of God, to live in His freedom. And I don't care where that takes me. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. And I might die along the way. But I'd rather die following the Spirit of God than live being protected by my own spirit. That's the battle in our life. Living out of fear or living in the spirit of love. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least for a little while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all those days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back and tell the devil that he can take away our lives, but he can never take away our freedom. But those with ears to hear understand. The rest of you think I'm crazy right now. I'll get some blue paint on my face next time I do that. The reason that that goes so deep in all of us is because it's so essential to our life that we would trade everything of the safety in order to truly live in the moment without fear, to stand up to the devil, to stand up to tyrants, to stand up to those who want to take away our freedom and put us in a box. God loves life. He loves your freedom, and he'd rather have you make the wrong choice free than be coerced into doing the right thing. That's how sacred it is to him. It's nothing more important to God than our freedom. To live in the light without fear. And that's a power that comes to us to the degree that we allow the Holy Spirit to inebriate us with Himself. So just ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Just in, in my life right now, and you can even think about past experiences because the devil's not creative. He uses the same things over and over again. Where are the places in my life that I'm running away from reality because what could happen? I'm running away from God, from other people, or for the gifts I know lie dormant within me. The devil is a bully, and he speaks to us in fear, and his only goal is to cut off our God-given light. The Holy Spirit is love. He loves life, he loves people, he loves reality, he loves the hot fest. And that's why he's always groaning within us.
to draw us out of darkness and into light. Ask yourself, where are you living in fear? And ask the Holy Spirit, as you place that upon this altar, in this Mass, ask Him to find you there, to inebriate your heart right there. And He'll do to you what He does to the bread and wine every single time we offer them to Him on this altar. He'll descend and He'll transform them into a new presence, into Holy Communion. Just like St. Peter, he will draw every single one of us out of darkness and into Christ's own wonderful light.